Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us this morning. Our celebration service, God is good. I would like to thank the Lord and Pastor Ashwin and this morning we're going to dig into the Word of God and it's an exciting time. It is an exciting time to be alive. And this morning I'm so excited for the Word of God because I believe that you're going to be blessed and that God is going to bring us to a place of action. After we hear the Word of God, we come into a place of action. Let's read from the book of Romans 12 verse 1 and 2. The Bible says from the Amplified Translation, I appeal to you therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to the Lord, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to, the, to this world, this age, fashioned and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals, its new attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Even the things which is good and acceptable and perfect in the sight, in his sight for you. I love that. Mm, I love that. I love that. We're going to teach on a two-part series and we're going to start with part one today. And we're speaking on the surrendered life. And um, if I could subtitle this, I would subtitle it this morning, Giving Yourself Holy Unto The Lord. Give Thyself Holy Unto The Lord. What does it mean to be surrendered? To, to surrender means that a believer completely gives up his own will and subjects his thoughts, ideas, and deeds to the will and teachings of the Lord. In the dictionary it says, of a higher power. It may also be contrasted with submission. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, we understand but as Paul says, in view of all of that God has accomplished for his people in Christ, how should his people live? And that is what we're going to focus on when we do verse 1 and 2. How should we live? That is, that is the, 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 the most important question now after we have discovered the mercies of God. Now because we have not done the study on Romans from chapter 1 to 11, I will briefly describe to you what actually took place on or through Romans 1 to 11. As we look into this teaching, and I'm going to lay out to you what we can achieve through this amazing two verses. Hallelujah. When we look at the animal sacrifices of the early day, Hallelujah, when Christ offered himself as an offering unto the Lord, all sacrifices according to the old covenant, according to the old way, became obsolete. Hallelujah. And now we have been brought into a new way of presenting ourselves as living sacrifices unto the Lord. We need to understand that we no longer live according to the standards of the world. 
for we are now new creations in Christ. We are now as believers are now motivated or encouraged to live according to the renewal, to allow the renewal of the mind to take place through the transformation that comes by the Spirit of God, which we would also call then the work of regeneration. We need to understand that doctrines was never taught in the Bible simply that we should just know them, boast about them, take pride in ourselves for the knowledge that we have accumulated, but they were also taught so that we could translate them into practical action. John 13 verse 17 says, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Hallelujah. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus said, He that heareth my words and doeth them is like a man who builds his house on the rock. When the winds and the waves come, they beat against the house, but the house will not fall. So Jesus was not just in knowledge. Paul says, knowledge puffs up. But he was more into practical application. Hallelujah. He was more into practical application. It's not about how much we know that is important. Knowledge is power. But how much do we apply of what we know brings pleasure unto the Father. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So Paul, throughout his teachings, when we look into the New Testament and understand the teachings of Paul, we come to the realization that Paul taught in a way that he wanted people later on to, to have practical application to what was taught. We look to Ephesians, Paul teaches that you need to sit before you can run and before you can walk. So you need to first sit in the school of doctrine before you can be before you can become a student. You first need to become a student before you can then practically apply what you have learned. If that could be in simplicity, hallelujah. You need to sit in order then to carry out. So you need to sit at the feet of the teacher, sit, get the teaching into your heart, but then also bring, then you also need to be driven by practical application of what you have been taught. Glory be to God. So we find that Paul made this statements throughout his teachings and throughout the epistles. Hallelujah. In Paul's New Testament letters, Paul brought about or taught on certain doctrines and teachings. And Paul wanted us then to bring about practical application to those teachings. And when Paul taught, Paul taught that his teachings were called the law of Christ. And these laws of Christ was the teachings of Christ that we find in the Gospels. And so many times Paul's teachings are a, it's, it has a lot of similarities between what Paul taught and what we, what we then discover in the Gospels. Amen. And these teachings Paul, Paul calls the laws of Christ. He calls these teachings the laws of Christ. When we look at Romans 12, 3 to, to to 13 or 3 to chapters 13 and 14, we find that there are a lot of similarities between the Sermon on the Mount and the teachings that Paul gave. Now, we do understand that at the time Paul wrote the book of Romans, there was not yet as much um, printed information about, about what Christ taught. 
people used to transfer this information orally or perhaps in, in a form of written summaries. But somehow Paul got his hands to this and he made use of this in all his teachings. Maybe he said many times with the apostles, Matthew, um, he spoke to Mark many times, he spoke to, he spoke to John and through this he discovered these amazing teachings of Christ and he took note of it and in his teachings he now, he now wrote about it and he calls it the laws of Christ. We're going to look at five of the eight points that I'm going to mention in part one and then we're going to break it down and we're going to finish part, part um, points six to eight in our next teaching. So we look at, 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 at point number one, the call. Paul calls the brethren, calls people to a place and he says, I beseech you. Paul pleads with the people. When we look at the word beseech in Greek, it means to call aside or to make an appeal in view of certain facts. Now we know what Paul is referring to when he refers, refers to facts or in view of facts. And what are these facts? These facts are the wonderful doctrines in chapters 1 to 8 and God's dispensational dealings with Jews and Gentiles in chapters 9 to 11. Paul has come now to the practical application of the gospel. The practical application of the gospel. We find that many times people call Romans the fifth gospel. The fifth gospel because of the amazing doctrines and teachings we find in the book of Romans that are similar to the gospels. When he uses this pattern, Paul is saying that Christian's life depends on the great Christian doctrines. Christian life depends upon the great Christian doctrines. We need to become doctrinally sound and doctrinally grounded so that we can then apply according to our God desires. Because when we come to the end of these two verses, what we will discover is that we can understand that when we are totally transformed, we will now know what God wants and what God desires. And we will be able to do it exactly the way He wants it, which will then bring pleasure to God and we, which will be pleasing unto the Father. Because that is what these verses boil down to. That everything comes back to the place or comes down to the point where we are now bringing pleasure unto the Lord. Where what we do is the will of God and this is pleasurable in the sight of the Lord. Hallelujah. When we look at the mercies of God, it reminds us that because of God's mercies that He has shown us in Romans chapter 1 to 11, we understand now that because of this mercy, it is now possible for us to do what we do. And this is by us presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. When we look back at the heathen, the heathen used to offer up sacrifices to obtain mercy. But biblical faith teaches us that divine mercy provides the basis of the sacrifice and that is our fitting response. It provides the basis of our sacrifice. Oh, His mercy is the basis of my sacrifice. Not my sacrifice is the basis of His mercy. His mercy is the basis of, of my sacrifice. And when we look at the great work that God has done and the manifold mercies that the Bible calls it, we now realize that what we give him is nothing compared to what he gave us. Aye, glory be to God. What we give to him is nothing compared to what he has given us. When we think of the mercies of God, we understand this in simplicity. I'm going to break down a few things when we look at Romans chapter 1 to 8. And we understand a few things that Paul explained. We're going to look into some of these 
of some of these powerpoints the first one we look at is justification from the guilt and the penalty of sin oh glory to god justification from the guilt and the penalties of sin oh whatever sin meant to bring to the, 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 the consequences of sin has been dealt with. Hallelujah. We have been justified. We have been declared not guilty. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Guilt has been removed. Glory be to God. Then the next one is adoption in Jesus. We now enter the family of God and we are identified with Christ, which is our identification with Christ. We are now kingdom citizens of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. We are placed under grace and not under law we're no longer under law but under grace the giving of the holy spirit to live within us we have received the holy spirit oh at salvation we receive the holy spirit and the work of the holy spirit now begins in our lives which we call the work of regeneration glory be to god the promises of yelp in times of affliction oh glory to god that's a promise to help us in the times of affliction trouble the assurance of standing in god's election we are assured now when we speak about assurance, we understand that when we become saved and we live like God wants us to live, we are assured about our eternity. But once saved, always saved is not the type of doctrine that I'm trying to bring across here. It's about us living a way that God has set out for us. And by doing this, we are now assured of being of God's elect. Hallelujah. Confidence of coming glory the confidence of the coming glory we know that is coming hallelujah therefore we are taught justification sanctification and the glorification when we will be transformed be like him but we know that we have confidence of the coming glory we are awaiting the blessed hope hallelujah confidence of no separation from the love of god we are confident now that we will not be separated from the love of god according to romans 8 we are confident not death not life not anything angels not principalities not life not death nothing can separate us from the love of god we have confidence in god's continued faithfulness when we read these doctrines we understand god's faithfulness hallelujah when we look at this and paul needs to plead with us we understand that in romans 10 27 paul uses the scripture from isaiah 10 20 from isaiah and he uses this wording that Isaiah used, all day long I've stretched forth my hands to a disobedient and a gainsaying people. Hallelujah. Do we, does God need to plead with us after we look at what he has done for us? After we look at the mercies of God, does he need to plead with us? Or do we bring ourselves willingly? When we look at the sacrifice of Christ, Christ laid down his life willingly. Christ gave himself. Now, we have to compare our lives with that of Christ and the sacrifice of Christ. We see how Christ gave himself willingly. We see that in Philippians, Paul explains that we should even have the same attitude, the same mind like that of Christ. How Christ presented himself, how Christ gave himself to the point, he even gave himself to the point of death. Hallelujah. Isaiah 53 says he was like a sheep going to the slaughter, like a lamb going to the slaughter. He did not open his mouth. He did not say anything. Hallelujah. He laid down his life. Therefore, Jesus said, my life was not taken from me, but I give it up. Therefore, sometimes we, we need to be brought to a place of being broken in order to surrender. And that's not the pattern God wants us to live in. God wants us to willfully, hopefully, wo- wholly give ourselves 
to him sometimes we go through things that we should not have gone through but sometimes because of the love of god god has to sometimes chastise us now sometimes i don't want to say what god chastises us because sometimes people would say he gave us sickness to bring us under correction god didn't give the sickness but god sometimes allows the enemy to do what he wants to so that it sometimes brings us to a place of correction and saves our souls so that we do not perish in hell hallelujah so that is important to understand ezekiel tells us how that how that god pleaded with the people to turn from their sins for he asked them why will you die why will you die in your sins and face eternal death hallelujah eternal destruction or or eternal yell fire you have an opportunity to turn why would you die in your sins throughout the new testament we find apostles pleading with the people and paul did this many times he pleaded with them, pleaded with them to pray he pleaded with them to mark out those who are causing divisions in the church he pleaded with the corinthians not um with the with the church over the corinthians not to have any divisions he begged them to follow him as he followed Christ he begged them to submit to the leadership of the church he pleaded with the people to be reconciled to god he pleaded with the people to receive the grace of god but not in vain to the Ephesians he pleaded that they should not walk worthy that they should walk worthy of their calling worthy of their vocation he exhorted the Thessalonians to walk pleasing to god Peter pleaded with the people to abstain from fleshly lust. John begged the elect lady and her children to love one another. We see that throughout the letters of the apostles and the letters of the great apostles John and Paul that there was always a a request, always a a type of begging, always a pleading. After what they wrote, after their motivation, after their encouragement, there was a pleading with the people to give themselves or to do certain things. Hallelujah call them aside in view of the facts that you have just received now I plead with you Hallelujah I plead with you I've told you certain things now I ask you Hallelujah not to do the opposite of what I have brought to you or what I have told you what I've said to you Hallelujah we need to understand that we understand the mercies of God the mercies of God this mercies this mercies this mercies the the pleading that Paul did was on the basis of God's mercy point number 2 we need to understand presenting our bodies presenting our bodies when an offering was presented to God in the old testament the priest needed to check the offering and the offering needed to be one that was um what that was that would pass the 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 the, the, the inspection so they need to check through this offering to make sure that this offering was 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 acceptable hallelujah acceptable and the bible teaches us in first corinthians 6 verse 19 our bodies are temples of the holy spirit so as we present ourselves to present ourselves obviously also means to heal ourselves unto the lord hallelujah so we need to understand right now that as we present ourselves to the lord we are presenting ourselves to god so that we can be used in his service these animals were presented so they could be used as an offering unto the lord and so we presenting ourselves to be used in the service of the lord hallelujah glory be to god the bible says in the book of first corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 and 20 don't you realize that your body is the temple of the holy spirit who lives in you and was given to you by god You do not belong to yourselves. 
Our bodies are the temples. We do not belong to ourselves. For God brought you with a price. So don't, you must honor God with your body. God bought you with a price. You must honor God with your body. The word present then also means that we as men are to bring ourselves to God instead of the sacrifice of the old covenant, which were animals. Hallelujah. We need to bring ourselves wholly unto the Lord, as these former sacrifices were also brought to the Lord. So we need to bring ourselves wholly unto the Lord. Hallelujah. The scripture then encourages about some things about the body. The body. We need to heal our bodies to the Lord. We need to make it a living sacrifice. We need to make it acceptable. We need to reckon our bodies dead to sin. We need to refuse its slavery to sin. We need to refuse to defile it with anything. We need to make it a temple fit for the Holy Spirit. We need to make it free from fornication and only for the Lord. Free from fornication. Hallelujah. Bible teaches us that fornication does affect the body. It does affect the body. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. Don't you realize that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, as we said in 1 Corinthians um, 6 verse 19, if I'm correct? That you are not your own, therefore glorify God in your body, God in your body and your spirit, which are His. Hallelujah. David recognized that whatever we give to God belongs to Him anyhow. When the people gave their money in the book of Chronicles to build the temple because they gave so willingly and so abundantly, David reminded them they're only giving that which the Lord has given them. Hallelujah. God gave us these bodies. We are only giving to God so we do not own our bodies. Therefore, the songwriter says, my life is not my own, but to you I belong. The Bible teaches us in Corinthians, Paul wrote, Jesus died for all of us. We should not love ourselves, but for him who died for us and rose again. I do not love for myself. I give myself, I give myself away to you. The Bible teaches us in the book of Romans 6, 13, 16 and 19. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Don't you realize that you become a, the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can become a slave to sin, which leads to death. You can choose to obey God, which leads to righteousness living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourself be slaves to impurity, lawlessness, which led to deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteousness, living so that you will become holy. First Peter 2.5 says, like living stones, let yourselves be built up into spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What are some of these spiritual sacrifices? Spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. The first one is giving ourselves. The second one is spiritual services we do unto the Lord. Hallelujah. But these will not be acceptable if we have not given ourselves to the Lord. Then are spiritual sacrifices of songs and praise and the way we conduct ourselves and the way we do things. And we find this in Romans 8 verse 1 and 13 when we walk in the spirit and we walk according to the desires of the spirit and not the, of the flesh. Personal faith 
is also a, a, a an offering a spiritual sacrifice wisdom and knowledge is a sacrifice personal love is a sacrifice faithfulness is a spiritual sacrifice prayer and supplication is a sacrifice glory be to god hallelujah when we look at the next point that we we see that paul now charges the people to say offer yourself a, as a living sacrifice hallelujah as a living sacrifice the sacrifices in the new order do not consist in taking the lives of others like in the old times when the life of the animal was given up but now it is giving our own lives unto the lord glory be to god we find this in the book of luke 9 23 when jesus says he said to the crowd if anyone wants to be my follower you must give up your own way take up your cross daily and follow me this is an act of a living sacrifice you are giving up your own way and you are now committing yourself completely and wholly unto the lord glory be to god let's just read hebrews 13 15 and 16. hebrews 13 15 and 16. glory be to god the word of god is so much life through him therefore let us constantly and at all times offer up to god a sacrifice of praise which is the fruit of lips that thankfully acknowledges and confess and glorify his name do not forget or neglect to do kindness and good to be generous and distribute and contribute to the needy of the church and embodiment and proof of fellowship for such sacrifices are pleasing to god as we said the sacrifice of praise so we remember what we are offering up to lord but now we have come to the place of being those living sacrifices hallelujah giving ourselves completely over to the unto the lord totally surrendered totally healed giving ourselves but because what used to say healed and healed and healed and we need to come to this place in our lives where we are healed to the lord totally surrendered totally have totally given up ourselves unto him and we're doing this in light of the mercies of god that has been shown unto us through the revealing of what paul taught in the book of romans hallelujah and when we come to this there is a persuasion in us not to withhold but to give up our lives in jesus name hallelujah we need to present our bodies to the lord we need to present our bodies to the Lord. Bring our bodies completely and wholly to the Lord. Present it completely and wholly unto the Lord. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. When we look at the body, we need to understand that we need to bring our all to the Lord. We need to bring our body, mind, soul, spirit, and everything to the Lord. That is what it means bring your body. When we present our bodies, it means not, it means that God wants us, not just our work. Hallelujah. We might do all kinds of work, but never give him ourselves. And he wants us. He doesn't just want us to do the deeds, but he wants us completely. He wants the he wants all of us. All of us. Hallelujah. Paul says, I beseech you. I beseech you, I beseech you, I beseech you, God wants to be master over your body, give yourself 
to the Lord. Give yourself to the Lord. The body can be a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. It is God's altar as a living, keeping, keeping it at God's altar as a living sacrifice keeps the body where it should be. Hallelujah. Keeps the body where it should be. Many times in the teachings, there were Gnostic teachings and different teachings in the Bible. And some people thought that the body had nothing to do with our salvation. And therefore they committed sexual sins and did all kinds of things with their bodies because they didn't think they bought their bodies was important. And here the Bible brings us continuously through Paul's and John's teachings how important the body is and how important we need to look after our body. How important it is for us to look after our body. Remember in 1 Corinthians 6.20, um, the word of God reminds us that God bought our bodies with a price. He bought us with a price. He bought us with a price. We are His and not ours. Now when we remember the words, a living sacrifice, the first century people, both Jews and pagans, knew first and what sacrifices was all about. To beg that they make themselves a living sacrifice was a striking image in their minds. The sacrifice is living because it's brought alive to the altar. The sacrifice is living because it stays alive at the altar. It's ongoing. We die daily. We die daily. We heal daily. We surrender daily. Hallelujah. What we now look at is the next point. The challenge is the holy, is our holy and acceptable unto God. Hallelujah. God not only requests holiness, but he requires it. Holiness is not a request, but a requirement. We need to pursue peace with everyone and with the holiness without God, which no one will see the Lord. Holiness with which, uh, which, sorry, without which no one will see the Lord. We need to be holy because holiness is acceptable to God. When we offer up our body, God intends for it to be a holy and an acceptable sacrifice. The sacrifice of the Old Testament, as I said earlier on, is the very same standard that God requires in the New. There it had to be according to Leviticus, he shall bring a male without blemish. Without blemish. But if there is any defect in it, it is a lamb, blind, or has serious defect, you shall not sacrifice it unto the Lord. Deuteronomy 15 verse 21. Let's read it. The importance of the sacrifice. It had to be, it, the way it was brought, the presentation was very important. Hallelujah. <clears throat> we need to understand this. But if this firstborn animal has any defect such as lameness or blindness or anything else is wrong with it, you must not sacrifice it unto the Lord. Therefore, we cannot have anything when we come to the Lord. We need to be pure. We need to be holy. We need to be a, a sacrifice that is pleasurable unto the Lord. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. We need to bring a sweet aroma. In our sacrifice needs to be as a sweet aroma. Hallelujah. When we think about a sweet aroma, the sacrifice was always linked to the idea of an offering made by fire. There is a burning and this matter of living sacrifice. It also shows that Paul was in mind, Paul has in mind a burnt offering in which the entire sacrifice was given to the Lord. So when Paul has these images, it was the sacrifice on the altar, the whole sacrifice on the altar, and that was brought unto the Lord. 
he was brought unto the world. When the, I would think that when he speaks about, you know, when the Bible speaks about defects, when the leg had a defect, they couldn't cut off the leg and then offer the sacrifice. They had to bring it completely and whole unto the Lord. And therefore, we need to bring everything and lay it down at the altar. Mm-hmm. The holiness that we bring to the altar of the Lord is a decision for holiness. And this holiness comes to continually yielding and yielding to the work of holiness in our lives. Continually yielding and yielding to the work of holiness into our lives. And as we present our bodies as living sacrifices, God makes our lives holy by burning away these impurities. So as we yield and yield and yield in the presence of God, the more we spend time with God, the more we spend time in the Word, the more we understand that certain things God does not want in our lives. The more we understand God does not want certain things to be done. The more we understand this, the more we begin to heal ourselves. We need to stop resisting. We need to stop resisting. We need to start healing. We need to start giving ourselves to the Lord. We need to give our everything. Glory be to God. Glory be the God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Father, I love you. I thank you so much. The last point we're going to look at today is the Bible says, this is your reasonable service. We are required to surrender. It's not a choice. It is a command. This is our reasonable service. This is our spiritual worship unto the Lord. When we present our bodies as living sacrifices unto the Lord, this is our spiritual worship unto the Lord. Hallelujah. This is what God requires. This is what God desires. This is what God wants. This is how we should bring ourselves to the altar of the Lord. This is how we should find ourselves before God's altar. This is what the Lord wants. My God, I thank you today. Hallelujah. Yo, we understand that spiritual worship is totally in contrast to what Israel's temple, what they used to do and in the cults that time. Hallelujah. They used to they used to um describe the worship of angels as an as an offering to the Lord, fragrant odor. They used to bring a lot of, um, there used to be a lot of strange sacrifices. And we understand that that things did not bring pleasure unto the Lord. These were things done, done to idolatry and to evil and to wickedness. And we need to be very careful in how we present ourselves unto the Lord. Because the Bible calls it our reasonable service. How we perform this, 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 how we present ourselves and how we bring ourselves unto the Lord. We need to. We need to understand another word for the word reasonable service is rational worship because it's performed with a heart, mind, soul, and as intelligent beings. It's totally in opposite or contrast with what Romans 1.25 teaches. The reasonable service is a life of worship according to God's word. The reasonable service is a life of worship according to God's word. The sacrifice of an animal was reasonable service in the Old Testament. But when we come to the new and understand the new, hallelujah, we are no longer bringing animal sacrifices, but we are bringing ourselves to the altar. And as we conclude today with this message, we end this by saying, under the new covenant, we had far greater mercies. So it's reasonable to offer a far greater sacrifice. This sacrifice is ourselves. And today, as we give ourselves over to the Lord, as we heal ourselves over to His desires and over to His plan, let's give ourselves wholly unto the Lord. 
let's give ourselves wholly unto the Lord. We have found that God, this is God's commands unto us. As we conclude with the book of Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, we understand that this is life-changing. We understand that what God requires from us. And the greatest thing while studying this, when I discovered the blessing, the blessing in knowing this is that we will now be able to know what God wants and what He desires, and that we will pattern our lives accordingly, and we will do it as He wants it exactly. And by this, God will then pour out whatever we need, whatever our hearts desires are, because it now will be aligned and purified according to His will. And we will be in line with God's purpose and plan for our lives. And I conclude with the reading of these verses again. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We present ourselves, then we are transformed, and then we know what is good and acceptable. So we get ready for part two, when we do verse two. How God changes us, how God transforms us, how, the re how important the renewing of the mind is. I know that God is going to richly bless you. I pray that as you heal yourself to the Lord, and as God deals with issues, and as God deals with things that He does not want in your life, remember your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Take care of your body. Take care of your body. Do not let your body be something that's like an outcast, something that does not that does not matter. Your body is important in this whole process because the Bible says He will preserve us body, soul, and spirit through the coming day. And therefore, it's important that we look. We mustn't be caught up in the, the, the way the heathens thought and the way the Gnostics thought, that the body is not important. The body is just as important in Jesus' mighty name. Be blessed. And remember, we present ourselves as living sacrifice unto the Lord. Just as the offering was presented to the Lord and the priest had to investigate the offering, when it was thoroughly investigated and it passed the, the investigation, it was then offered up to the Lord and it was accepted by the Lord. And therefore, the sins of the individual was covered. My God, we thank the Lord today. Father, I thank you that as we heal ourselves, as we surrender ourselves, in Jesus' mighty and majestic name. Amen.